What's up, everyone? It's your host, Travis McKenzie, and I'm back with a special edition of the Inner Voice podcast. Today is the first day of the I'm Curious to Know project, which is a series of daily live stream conversations with world-class athletes, innovators, and unique personalities from the world of endurance sports. I'm grateful for my dear friend, Ryan Linden, and his incredible wife, Des, for joining me. As you may know, Des is a two-time Olympian and the 2018 Boston Marathon champion. It's an honor and a privilege to spend 45 minutes with them, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. This is what I'm calling the I'm Curious to Know project presented by Inner Voice. Uh, the goal is really to have these interesting, positive, uh, fun-filled hours or 45 minutes of conversation with world-class athletes, innovators, and unique personalities from the endurance sports world. Um, my two first guests today definitely fit that bill. Ryan uh, and Des, how are you? Doing good here. How are you doing there, Travis? Yeah, good. It's, uh, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Massachusetts. Uh, I know you guys are in, in Michigan. You're about to head, uh, head north this afternoon up to the, the lake. Um, let's talk about the climate we're in. Uh, I feel like I've been through three phases of this isolation. The first phase is I was reading all the blogs about uh, working from home. So I was getting up out of my chair every hour, doing laps around the house. But I quickly found that the laps ended up going to the pantry or to the fridge uh, every single time. So I ended up having the um, the uh, pantry phase, I'm going to call it. Uh, the second phase was um, deciding when it was appropriate to start drinking booze uh, before or after your second coffee. Um, so that was phase two, drinking before lunchtime. Uh, and then we're in three, phase three right now. So... Uh, I wonder if you guys have had the same feeling. Tell me about your three phases of isolation so far. Ryan, you go first. Uh, okay. I think on this. I'd say like the first, that phase one, like I guess a couple things. I get to work from home every day for my my day job, um, so that's kind of hasn't changed. But definitely, like that phase one was like, oh, this is only like this would be like ten days or something, no big deal, whatever, enjoy it. Um, but it was kind of like, ah, oh, this is this is kind of fake. But the pantry thing is a, is a for real thing. Like I do that nonstop. Like you walk up, grab something out of the cover, come back two seconds later and you're like, oh, there's got to be something else in there. You're like, no, there isn't. <laughs> um, I kind of laugh about it. Like, was not, was that stress eating or is that typical? It's <laughs> <laughs> just part of working from home. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. Hope that the elves like refreshed it, refilled it when we were gone. Um, there, there was that, that, phase, that phase one of like, all right, it's like noon. I guess you can go ahead if you want to start drinking at one at any point because like nothing else going on. I think phase two is kind of like, yeah, there's still like the drinking going on, like the the hang around, hang around, and enjoy things in the evening because you're like, well, I got nothing else to do. Um, and now I think phase three is kind of like uh, we're kind of in for the long haul. Like, can we get a little bit of normal back or like I just want to go like see people and like not even see people like go to the store and like people like actually smile and say hello then like kind of feel like kind of take up the world and everything yeah Um, yeah what about you des i would say i had grief really early on because it was like i've lost a race like right from the gun um that was sort of when you realized the seriousness of it um so it was like processing that and then almost going back and being like oh yeah that Olympic trials thing was a real bummer too. 
Um, mm. So all of that was like right up front. And then it was like, okay, well, I get to kind of hit reset, take a break, do the thing where we stay up and do happy hour Zooms for way too late, drink all the drinks and um, just kind of be a little bit of a mess for part of this middle time. And then um, part three was kind of like, okay, like let's get some goals and some motivation. And I know we talk about like the people who manage stress the best and deal with uncomfortable times and um, don't waste opportunities and can kind of find opportunity in really crappy situations uh, are the ones who come out on the other side, like really ready to rock. And so I was like, what can I do during this time? But also it's like, sustainable because we don't really know how long this is going to be and potentially for a really long haul or maybe just for a short time and then things get back to normal and I feel good about it so um, that was getting goals with my coach and having a game plan for the next couple months for training so yeah that's awesome that's well said now I want to dig in and make this fun I want to I want to hear the story of how you guys met I love the story but I want to hear it from from you guys first and and most importantly who made the first move Uh, So we actually met um, going to the Detroit Expo, the Marathon Expo, to work for, I think it was Power Bar. Uh, I can't mention that. uh, uh, It was a different type of bar. (laughs) Uh, Not Power Bar, different bar. And we we no longer work with them. But anyways, we were driving out to the Detroit Expo and, um, you know, passing out samples and such. And um, Ryan picked me up. He's like, oh, I'm going to work it too. So we can share a ride or whatever super nice and then we were chatting on the way out there and he was just kind of getting like my background like where i was from and um oh you're a runner on the team um and so he started talking to me about like the, the michigan state and their conference and how great they were uh which my coach at arizona state actually switched over to coach at michigan state so like i was very aware of how good they were but we were just better and so i explained that to him like, yeah they're they're okay but we're significantly better so that was our first kind of real meeting. <laughs> and so you're trying to impress her with your uh, college sports knowledge, Ryan? Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <this is> <laughs> There's no right answer here. Yeah. Uh, I think you're just very proud. Uh, yeah, like I was kind of proud. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not like a – I have buddies that are like diehard, I would call them Michigan State, like slappies. <laughs> um, like they blue, green, and white, like till they're yeah. – uh just like proud of the school or that but i was just like oh we were always good but <clears throat> you didn't know anything else we, like i don't know i didn't know anybody really play that was a collegiate athlete growing up or even when i was at college and so it was like oh well you followed the sport they were like oh well they're pretty good here and, and whatnot um so i think i was just like oh yeah we're, we're good like they make it to nc so like they have some good girls on the team they have some good guys and now, so you guys train together, obviously. Um, Ryan, I can uh, emphasize, em- emphasize, empathize. I have empathy for you, being the uh, the second best runner in your family. Yeah, yeah I know that one. <laughs> um, now, it's, uh, now I did promise that we'd talk about the moustache. I did promise we'd bring it up. Now, I feel like it might be a bit of a lucky charm that you can't get rid of it. <laughs> what are you doing? You're setting him up for the lifelong moustache. I know. Yeah, yeah, this is a lucky charm. You can't get rid of it because good things happen when you have the moustache on. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think it was it was like kind of a jokey, laugh, laughing matter. The one fall, I was like, oh, we were doing some things. I was like, I'm gonna fall time, spend some time, like, 
uh, bow hunting in Michigan. And I was like, ah, oh, this, I got to change my luck here or whatever, you know, like in different things. And it was like late December. I was like, ah, oh, forget the full beer's not even helping. Let's just do something stupid. And then <laughs> her uh, sister and her sister's boyfriend came and I'm like, we'd never met the boyfriend yet. So it's kind of like, oh, let's try it. I'm going to be intimidating here. This, <laughs> this guy with the mustache, even though he's younger. Um, so I was like, oh, let's keep it. And then like a couple people were like, oh, it's not that bad. And you kind of get like roll with it. And then <clears throat> happens to win the marathon. So you're like, well, I, I can't get rid of it now. Like if I got rid of it, I don't know like if people would even trust me being a, a coffee roaster. Like it's like, you know, like do you trust a chef that does not have like a, an arm sleeve tattoo and everything? You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I get it. It's uh, it's one of the requirements. Now you and I met, we crossed paths on the Everyman Jack tri team. Um, now you've you've kind of moved on from there. You, you're also doing some gravel try stuff. I don't want to talk about Everyman Jack first because Rich, I know he's probably listening. Um, Rich, I made an order on April 12th and I still haven't received it. So uh, I know you'll personally get on it. Um, um, no. So Rich, uh, obviously the, the the man behind Everyman Jack, and we were lucky enough to cross paths on the team. You've now moved on doing a little bit more of gravel cycling. I know you had a couple of races on your calendar, uh, including Dirty Kanza. Tell me about kind of how you feel about races being cancelled and postponed and like how has that been for your motivation? Yeah, it's, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely a disappointment when I look at it. Like, like this weekend we are going to be in California for a Belgian waffle race and then whatever, three, four weeks later it's going to be Dirty Kanza things that I had really set on the calendar for this year were exciting. And it's kind of one of those things that at first you're like, Oh no, it's going to happen. And you're like, uh, things keep on changing. Like, Oh, I guess not. And it's, it's kind of like disappointing, but at the same time you're like, all right, well, everyone's going to deal with it. But like trying to be like, okay, what can I do now to like prep better for it? Or how can I enjoy it? Like when I get to it, I get to do it. Like how much better is it going to be like that? It's like that. Yeah big party that everyone's going to like when races do happen and especially some of these like kind of grassroots smaller ones like they're kind of parties as it is at, with them it's just like more relaxed atmosphere um that these are going to like when they do happen it's going to be pretty pretty cool i think of like people say like kansas like uh the super bowl of gravel racing and so like when it does happen it's going to like they say this fall is the plan now is it's going to be pretty cool because it's going to be one like the first bike races of the year um have everybody together it's i don't know it's going to be exciting then and whatnot yes yeah totally i think you're right i think there's going to be this kind of coming out party for people once events um Mm -hmm. are on and people can get together and uh it honestly feels like a long stretch though really to get to the point where we can have tens of thousands of people together um but we'll see. And um, yeah, I know that Des, you've also got something on the same weekend that you're looking forward to. Um, before we get there, I want to talk about the Olympic trials. This was obviously just before the shit hit the fan, so to speak. Um, like we, my memory of that is we were sitting in our living room. We had the, the coverage on the TV. My daughter, three-year-old daughter, Adelina and I were standing there screaming at the TV. I was texting Ryan um, the, the lady who was in third didn't look great. We're like, Des is definitely going to catch her. We're, I, I'm like shouting profanities. Um, so, so I don't know if that helps if you heard us, but, um, tell me about obviously the, the, um, 
the disappointment. I know fourth is probably the worst place to finish. Tell me about what that was like. How disappointing was that when you crossed the line? You've given your best. You've had an amazing day physically, but you just, there was three people better on the day. What was that like? Yeah. Um, brutal, man. I didn't know this is what we were doing. <laughs> but I set something up for this time. I had to go a little bit deep. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think it's, it's super tough. And you plan for four years and you put this thing on the calendar and um, visualize reaching that goal every single day. And that's like what gets you out of the door. And I think I would have been significantly more crushed, not to say that I wasn't very disappointed. I'm still kind of having like a pity party every now and then I'll like feel sorry for myself because I can. Um, but if I hadn't had made the 2012 team and had the experience in 2016, um, if this was my first and only shot and I came up 11 seconds shy, I would have been absolutely devastated. Um, it was still really hard because you see the people who are celebrating uh, yeah. with their friends and family, they're putting the flag on them. They're doing the press conference. Like their brands are just like ecstatic. Uh, their friend, you know, friends and family, everyone's out there. Um, and I know exactly what that moment feels like cause I've done it. Um, and so yeah. I'm not sure if that makes it easier or more difficult. And like when I was, I was actually in fifth place for a lot of the late part of the yeah. race, Laura Thweet, um, I think she's been fourth in the trials before, but like, I almost felt like I had this duty to pass her. Like, she's going to be crushed to be fourth by 15 seconds. So if she's fifth by, you know, that much, then then maybe it makes it a little bit easier for her. And I can, like, handle being the alternate. Um, and I'm sure that's not the case. Like, it's just as difficult. And everyone says fourth is the worst, but it's actually not. Like, fifth is a little bit worse and sixth is a little bit worse. And if yeah. you're fourth, you're justified in believing, like, I had a chance. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and it was really hard to stomach, but I'm also like at a point in my career where I've done it and I know exactly what it's like. Um, and I'm sad that I missed the opportunity, but I'm very, very fortunate that I had it in the past. Um, and I'm also super thrilled for the people who made the team, you know, like yeah. it's such a great, great group of women and that like pack that we were with was so strong. It's, it's one of those sports where there's so much respect for people who are doing it the right way. And then they have their moment and you want it to be you, but when you see people work their asses off and like get that reward, you're like, well, hats off to you. You know, that's yeah. 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 That's well said. And obviously like, you know, there's, there's a benefit to being a good sportsman as well. It's not, you know, it, it doesn't help when you're finishing fourth, but like you can go to bed at night knowing that you're a good sportsman and you're cheering those, those girls on legitimately. Um, now I know that there's been some talk about trying for the 10,000 and doing some time trials and some, some work there. Um, I also know there's obviously an injury risk of that, like faster running injury risk. So I've made a little bit of a list um, of, of, of other options that you might consider. Um, <laughs> now, I want to I throw a disclaimer out there to the people or the sports federations that I mentioned here. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that Des can just walk in and make the team. I understand that the girls who make the team will be legitimate athletes who have been training all their life. But here's here goes. Um so the demonstration sports, I think, is probably a good option. Um, I think softball. Tell me about your rating out of 1 to 10 of your likelihood of being a softball athlete at the 2020 plus 1 Olympics. Played some softball as a young kid. Did not stick with it long. There's a reason. Um, <laughs> two to three, that, that's my odds there. <laughs> Off the list. Yeah. All right, next one. Karate, another demonstration sport. Tell me about your karate skills. 
Are there weight classes? Didn't do enough research. Shit. Um, yeah, let's say yes. <laughs> then I can get into it. I think I'm agile and um, I can take some beatings. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what do you think about the karate skills? How many backhands has she given in the last month since you guys have been on top of each other? Fourteen, I would say there's been a few. I mean, we're, <laughs> uh, I, I put her up as a strong karate fighter. I, I'd give her a good. Thanks. A, Scrappy. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, just... I'll see that. Yeah, All right, we're going to give that a tick. Karate's on the list. Yeah. Uh, the next one is skateboarding, another demonstration sport. I just feel like my ankles both just broke hearing that. I heard them scream. Like, ah. <laughs> okay, off the list. Uh, last one, another demonstration sport here, surfing. That's the sweet spot, you know. Um, I always say I'm not a good swimmer. I'm a sinker. You put a board under me that changes everything. And if I fall, it's okay. There's some give underneath. I think I, that would probably be my best, my highest hopes. All right. I already have the, right. the vernacular down. Okay. There's a tick for surfing, brah. Shaka. <laughs> um, so we've got surfing. So any of the uh, the surfing folks out there, reach out to Des and karate second choice. <laughs> Um, Des, and I, I like the way you put it, Des, on, on Twitter today. You're still an Olympic hopeful. Des, what are you, um, Ryan, what are you an Olympic hopeful in? What is What are you kind of shooting for next year? Uh, I have some options. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a few options. Um, <laughs> we'll go badminton. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the sport, that cycle, that one you ride the bicycle, cycling is definitely on the list. Uh, oh, had- what, what's that? I don't know anything about that. Yeah, no, no. We bought him a helmet because he's <laughs> yeah. just learning. Like, <laughs> Training wheels. Uh, oh, what was that? I mean, surfing. I mean, like you're on the beach, you're underwater. Why not? I, oh, you know, I, uh, sailing. Sailing. We, we, I call it sailing. Definitely on the list there for. Uh, yep. All right. So we're on. So you're on the sailing. Uh, so here's a funny story. Well, I actually moved to Canada 11 years ago. So I spent some time in Canada. Um, and when I arrived, it was the middle of winter and curling was on the TV. And I was like, this is the e- this has to be the easiest sport in the history of the world. Like, there's no way that I can't be an Australian Olympian at curling. And the good well, the good thing about curling as well is the winner actually pays for the beers for the losing team. So when I was first starting, we went to these von Spiels and I was lo- I was terrible and you get bought beer. So it's like this incentive to get worse. So I never pursued that dream of the uh, being an Australian Olympian in curling. But that been, there we go. You guys have an Australian curling team. I was going to start it. I, like, I feel like if you start the federation, you've, you're automatically on the team. So that was the, that was the idea. I like um, it. We'll work on the dream. Maybe that's, maybe that's next phase. I want to talk to you guys about coffee. Um, I feel like I have a tab um, that runs into almost the thousands um, from all the coffee that you've sent me. And I think that you've also actually sometimes sent me stuff um, at exactly the right time. I'm about to bust out the Whole Foods roast because we've run out and then a shipment comes from you. So I'm very grateful and thankful to you for that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know how like those little bugs planted throughout your house. So it like yeah. alerts me it's like coffee slow. Yeah. You've got some um, you've got some tracker consumption consumption tracker. I like your style. Tell me about how you got into that. I think that obviously like it became it was a passion project for you when you first started and you got more into roasting and tell me about kind of that process of you getting into roasting and then and then starting the company. 
Uh, so like, I guess our, our passion started for coffee over the years with Des, like we would always be traveling to r- different races with her, different spots of the country or different parts of the world. Um, and just starting to learn to enjoy coffee for what it is. But then it was going to different places and trying small specialty shops and different roasteries. And that started growing to turning into like, how many bags can you put in your, how much room do you have in your uh, carry on bag for coffee when you come home and like fell in love with it. I think like our record was like, we came home from Australia with like maybe like 24 bags um, on a trip. Just, like throw out the shoes. Yeah. Just throw those clothes. Yeah. 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 Leave them behind. But we like turned to really liking it. Knew we had some, a uh, couple shops by us that had started getting into roasting and we kind of had some connections with them and started just like chatting and talking and learning more about it. I had started playing with, uh, if you want to really, the, like, depends on what you, what type your if you have dogs at home, some will like it, some don't. Uh, air popper, and you can do it via air popper and right. yeah, popcorn machine, and you do about 50 grams at a time, but. Usually there ends up being some heavy smoke, and next thing you know, you got like smoke <laughs> going off, and it's like a disaster running around your house. Um, but I learned to process what was going on, and it was like, oh, this is this is like let's look at a ro- small roaster and see what happens with it, and kind of like, oh, we'll do this. Let's let's try it. Got a small one kilo roaster. Took a bunch of classes via online, did some books through like some people that were pretty high, highly respected in the coffee industry and started doing it, started roasting it and giving it to friends and family to, to test out. And you look back now at it and you're like, oh, would I really drink that coffee now? Or, or yeah. like, oh, hey, thanks. You gave me some coffee. Sorry. But as soon as you leave, they're like throwing it in the trash. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, Ryan gave us more coffee. Great. Yeah. What, that's just exactly what I want for my birthday. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I think we, we kind of started understanding like it is a very artsy, crafty type feel. Uh, related a lot to like wine or uh, craft beer. It's, you know, like there's a lot, a lot that goes into it in, in different styles to like what I might roast is not what like everybody might like and vice versa type thing. And so we kind of started the company and seemed to happen to coincide with us winning the marathon. And was, yeah, literally like that same week, that weekend, we're like, well, super launch. It'll be kind of a fun place to test it out. And then, yeah. Yeah. What a perfect time to launch you guys. That's a great plan that you had there. Yeah. Right. We talked about it. He's like, I'm going to grow a mustache and you're going to win the marathon. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, it just kind of, it grew from there. And since then we've grown to bigger, larger roasters, so a six kilo roaster. And we laugh at like, like before at first you bought a 50 pound bag and you're like, oh man, this is going to take a while to roast up. And now all of a sudden you're getting like pallets that are like eight to 10, 70 kilo bags. And you're like, how long is this going to last? I mean, yeah. Shoot. I got to make a phone call again and keep restock, restock and, and, at the same time, though, I feel like I've gotten way, way, way better than the original days, but really understand and have a – it's a it's a passion. It's a job, but it's something that you enjoy, and you enjoy sitting there doing it and working with people and teaching them about coffee and allowing them to enjoy it however they, they like it. Like if it's, you know, it's that one maybe 15 minutes a day they get to relax and forget about things, and you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. It is something that's more than just a, it's not a, just a uh, consumable. It's a, a, a ritual, you know, people get up and they, you know, the smell and all of that stuff plays a part of it. Um, I know that you, you guys did an amazing campaign recently um, to support people on the front lines of this pandemic and um, people who are dealing with the worst of the worst. Um, you did a buy one, donate one campaign. Um, tell me about that. Tell me about where that idea came from. Tell me about how late the nights were when you were up roasting and bagging and shipping and doing all that thing to get all of that product out to the people who purchased and obviously then the people who were who were on the front lines and needed it most. Yeah, it was not like a long thought out thing. We we're just kind of like sitting at home, had a bunch of time and, um, you know, you hear stories from your friends who are working late and doing these medical jobs and they're just like yeah, exhausted. And we were like, well, we have, we have the perfect resource for that. Like everyone loves coffee and we realized that we could actually do something in this time and whether or not it was helpful, it wasn't about gaining a profit or anything like that. It was just like, hey, let's try and do something and. At the end of it, you know, we roasted a bunch of coffee, sold a bunch of coffee, had bags we needed to buy, uh, beans we needed to buy. So it's just this kind of way to help a bunch of people out and feel a little bit busy during this time. But um, we sort of thought about it. And we're like, I bet like 50 people will buy bags, maybe 25, maybe 30. If 50 is a good, good shot. Um, and then 400 plus bags later, we're like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have to do this in increments and so we still have like some of these gift ones that we're slowly doling out and getting to places but i think people still need coffee so fulfilling the orders was like let's make sure every customer's happy um and if it's someone that's like hey i would like to donate to this person i'm just sending these bags and match them uh we probably threw in a few extra just so that shipping classes didn't kill us but uh, for the most part you know did all of those and then have been slowly um dropping out 10 pound bags here or there to, to some facilities. It does that. I'm like, uh, she said to me, I'm like, ah, uh, we do 40, 50 orders this weekend. Like that'd be a good, that'd be a great weekend. Like a little more than like a normal weekend, no big deal. And all of a sudden you like start looking and you're like, Oh, okay. Like it's, it's going, Oh wow. Oh man. Like how crazy. Like, and we're going to be busy. We're gonna, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, but it's like, it was that first bit of like, kind of like that beginning of the, like we talked earlier, like that phase one and like, this is awesome. Like it gives you something to take your mind off and you're trying to reward those people that are out there in the front lines working for us. And it's not just like, I hate to say it, the front lines that you hear a lot of, of the medical people that we, that got it, but like we helped out our local post office workers were able to keep, you know, like they talk about getting to scan the bat the boxes in each day and that's like huge for them to show that they're worth of their jobs in the US Postal Service. We've worked with our wholesalers in Chicago and then the trucking company. And so it's like there's a lot of people that were touched all the coffee, which I we I feel good about and I think does this too. It's we're supporting everybody here and trying to keep people be able to go to work and everything. It's, it's yeah. small things. We're you know? we're a tiny company, but if yeah. any company did, you know, what they could right now, then it helps out a ton of people in a little way. And that becomes something bigger if we all kind of chip in, if we can. And some people just can't. Well, kudos to you guys for, for putting that into action. And some of the best ideas are uh, ones you just have in the middle of the night and you just make them happen like this, where we're trying to do uh, Facebook streaming and audio streaming on Instagram <laughs> as well. And everyone's like 
um, up in arms about the echo. I apologize for that. Um, but we will be able to watch the live stream elsewhere. I'll share it with everyone. Um, but we're doing our best. But um, yeah, you guys are awesome. Tell me a little bit more about kind of the plans for the company. I know that, Ryan, you still have a, a real job. Um, is the plan to kind of make this a, a permanent full-time thing? Um, tell me about kind of the goals there. And hopefully no one from your work's listening. And feel free to pass on this question if, if not appropriate. <laughs> No, I think like it's a, I don't want to say it's a, a full-time gig right now, but it's a pretty solid job that we have that we do with the coffee. Um, and our goal is to continue growing as we are. And, you know, over the next couple of years, next couple of years to keep on growing. And if we can make it where it's a full-time job for me and others, and that's the, the ultimate goal there. Um, but at the same time, it, it's still like, it's like any job you do, I, I hate to say it. It's like you have to, it has to be fun. You have to enjoy it. And it doesn't feel like a job then. And to me, it, it, it got, yeah, it's work and there's some long nights and, and whatnot, but because I enjoy doing it and it's like the passion um, and what you learn and the people I've gotten to meet through the coffee industry and connections are just as much fun and, and hearing about, I don't know, hearing people that like, they get a bag from us and they're like, oh my God, you just changed my world. I didn't realize if what this is what coffee tasted like. You're like, yeah, like exactly. Or, you know, like if you, I don't know, like you can put a smile on somebody's face just because they enjoyed a cup of coffee. Like to me, that's awesome win right there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do have a little nice little bag of Honduras here that I'm going to crack into. We've just finished the Kenyan. So that's going to, that's going to get cracked into tomorrow. So I appreciate it. You do have, uh, you've been kind enough to offer to support some of our listeners. And if anyone um, would like to have the chance to win some coffee, if you text coffee uh, to 33777, that's 33777. We will put you into to a draw to win a, uh, a coffee sampler. So send that text in and uh, we'll get you, get you on the list to win. So thanks for the kindness there to, uh, to offer that to, to the listeners as well. Now it's uh, yeah. Hopefully, uh, some people get to test out and, and try, and you know, um, give you guys a sample of what I feel like our coffee is and what our product here at Linden, Linden by Two. So yeah, love it. Um, now, now, Des, uh, we have a, a very good, dear mutual friend, um, Kate Gustafson. You spent some time with her in Kenya. Um, I'd love to hear about that experience. Before you go into that, she has a funny story where you guys were running together in New York uh, and people were just shouting your name left, right and center. And she's like, I don't want to be Des because this is insane where people would just shout your name in, in the street and you, you just have to deal with that. Tell me about that experience and then tell me about your experience together in Kenya. Yeah, um, that is really fun. I mean, it's it's awesome because our running community, like, once you're in it, it's so small. Like you just feel like, you know, these people and, um, it's, it can be startling. Like when people do think they know you and they're like surprised to see you somewhere, they're like, yes, like they just feel like this need to like get your attention. And I feel like sometimes they think they know me and I don't know them. Um, or I'm like, maybe I should know them. And I'm like, my expression versus their expression are so different. Cause I'm like, should I know you? Or am I, should I be threatened by you? <laughs> it's like, yeah. and you're like, Hey, this is this person. I, I, um, like I feel like I know, which is awesome. Like, that's just really cool that our community is that close to it. And I wish I knew everyone so that I could have like a 
that super big smile, like, hey, good to see you on my face. It, it rarely ever happens. So she's exaggerating that for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty funny. And uh, yeah, no, I know Kate from, I think it was the second year I was in Kenya. It's just like, yeah, I was just reading about these trips out here and it looked like so much fun. And she's obviously like so into traveling and exploring. And um, she's just this super kind person who wants to like, get to know things and see the world and like be a better person because of it. And it was one of the best parts of those trips is the people you meet and meeting her there was awesome. And then that we've been able to remain friends uh, from that experience is really cool. Um, and so anytime she, she, we cross paths at the weirdest times and places. Uh, she was in Phoenix a couple of years ago and I went and ran with her group yeah. and do a hockey game with, uh, her boyfriend um, was working there. And so it's like, yeah, Kate's in town. Like I have dropped everything. I don't care what like workout I have tomorrow. She actually fondly recalls that instance in Phoenix where you're in the middle of a big training block and you're spending time down there and you just showed up for her. And she said that that was kind of the, what she admired most about you was the fact that you had a big workout that you'd just done. You've got a workout coming up. You're there to focus, but you showed up and, and hung out with their group and, we're a, we're a good sport about it. So yeah, she definitely holds fond memories of that experience as well. They, like the things we need it like that we didn't realize we needed. Um, you show up and it's like, it's just a run, but seeing a friendly face and meeting her group and that they came out to Phoenix to like do this camp and get themselves better. And like that, I was coming off a really big slump in running where I'm like, this is stupid. Like, this is so selfish. I hate everything. Like, just feel like a bad person's investing my time in this. And then you see these people who like are just so in love with the sport and they're so happy to be out there. And um, like, I just took, they don't, maybe they don't know it, but I took so much from them from that trip. I'm like, these, this is awesome. Like this is what running should be about. It should be fun. It should be um, something you're looking forward to and exploring and so on and so forth. So it came at the right time for me too. Which is yeah. That's awesome. awesome. I think it's, that's a good lesson. Like, no matter how you, what you think you're getting out of something or an interaction, the other person's also feeling like they're getting equal or better value out of it. So it's, uh, it's really interesting that kind of you both had that same experience on, on either side, um, which is really, really cool. Now, Ryan, um, I want to talk to I want to talk to you about a little bit more about your tri background and you know we we crossed uh, paths on the tri horse we crossed paths at a couple of races and um, had a lot of fun there, but. Kind of tell me about your try experience and some of your most memorable moments uh, in the sport. Ah, uh, so it's like interesting. I I remember like when I decided I wanted to do triathlon back in uh, maybe in like 2011. I had thought about it, but it was like somewhere during 2012 after Des made the first team time made the team. I was like, oh, I want to do this triathlon thing. Like, no biggie. I can make it. To, I can make it to Kona. And I into, like, I had a buddy that, like, he had his pro card, which I, that's whatever. Um, I was like, I'm a better swimmer than you. I'm a better runner than you. Like, I, sh I can do this. Like, no name, name. Who was it? Uh, it's my, it's like my best buddy. Uh, Ryan DeCook. Ryan DeCook. I'll put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, oh, like, I can do this. This is no problem. So we, like, finished up the, build up for Des uh, to make the team. She made the team and then like 
talked to Josh a little bit more about it. And he, he's like, oh, I'll get you connected with a, a coach. And he connected me to Matt Dixon at Purple Path. Yeah. So we started talking and like we talked that whole summer. And I can even remember like in London, I can tell you this, the cafe and where I was sitting. And I remember like, yeah, meeting with Matt and chatting over the phone, like in London that summer, like, all right, we're going to make a go at this. And I was no problem. This is going to be like a joke. You can, you can just like hammer this out. And then fast forward, like riding and Matt invites me out. Like, so I kind of transitioned more into triathlon, like the end of 2012, 20, beginning of 2013 is really when I started it. And Matt has a, a camp with all his pro triathletes. So at the time, uh, Jesse Thomas, Sarah Pompiano, Meredith Kessler, jeez, uh, 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 Callum Millward had just joined, oh, okay. um, and a few others. And so like, I'm like, go out to this camp, like, oh, this is gonna be great. And his bike coach is there. And the first day they like look at me and they're like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is like a train wreck here. Like, like, like I'm in the pool. I'm like, I can swim. I'm like swimming well. It wasn't bad. That was no biggie. But then we get on the bike and they like look at me and they're like, Jesus, you look like you're like going to a church here. You're like, you're like sitting straight up on the arrow bars and they're like, we got to. You like, got your beach cruiser look on. <laughs> exactly. Like, it was like a, and I've really never ridden outside on before. And first day outside really it was on a tri bike in the hill down the freaking gauntlet of San Francisco city riding, like right across the golden gate bridge. And I just remember like laughing and being like, Oh my God, what the hell am I doing here? It was like an eye opener. Like that first year I did a first, uh, I did a half and then like three weeks later did a full and I had like a great swim, really good swim. I think I was like top 15 out of the water. Uh, and the amateurs and bike was like going good. And like, I see Des, I'm like, oh, we got this. This is, this is awesome. And I think it was about mile 21 or so, was it? Yeah, no, like mile 21, you're like, okay, I think I got this. This is going to be great. Kona baby. And then mile 24, like literally mile 24, he's like, I fucking hate this. This is the dumbest idea I've ever had. Yeah. It's funny. And, and everyone who's done it has been in that position where like, you know, you're rolling along at whatever mile 20 of a marathon or the, at the end of an Ironman. And you're like, this is so easy. You're slapping hands like this is no problem. And then within a minute or, you know, a couple of miles, you're like ready to find a hole to crawl into. Yeah. So that was like that first year. But as the year progressed, it changed. And I, I started learning more of the sport and, and getting better. And I think over the next couple of years, we had some made it to Kona twice, made it to World Championship, half World Championships a couple of times. I was runner up at Whistler one year in the full, and I think third overall in the half one year. And uh, the one year at Lake Tahoe, I ended up uh, lost by like five seconds. Didn't know we were like closing down, just like, yeah. you know, like one of those things. It's just one of those days. And I don't know, I fell in love with the sport. It's, uh, it's, so different than just running but it's a it's a testament of like endurance nutrition mind over matter and it's just like to challenge your body um it's it's been super fun but like i think it helps like meeting people like you when we were on everman jack together and that great group of guys to have fun with it like makes it better yeah totally yeah finding the community i think is the biggest thing um now 
I hate cutting off conversations, but we're almost at time here, and I want to make sure we get in our three questions. Um, now, I'm going to ask these on every one of these episodes. We're going to go live daily in May, so you guys get to start. Um, I'm going to go Ryan and then Des uh, for each of these ones. So the first question is, what's one thing uh, that's changed during isolation that you want to keep once you once we all move back to our new normal? What's one thing you want to keep in your life that's changed since you started isolation? Uh, I would say like just more like relaxing in the evening and like just like you can forget like I don't know, say you forget about some things and just like, okay, hey, you've been into the evening, like just relax and enjoy being around each other, I think. I think you've seen way more people like reach out and try and be helpful, you know, just more kindness when you see other people struggling um, and chipping in. And it's like kind of our thing with the coffee. It's super small, but maybe it helps someone else. Love it. That's awesome. Um, second question. What's one thing you thought was important before isolation that you're happy to leave in the past? You're going to let go of and never bring back. Damn. <laughs> uh, you, uh, I'm stumped here. I got to think. Des, what about you? Um, probably just like, this is pretty cliche, but like material things. Like mm -hmm. I would come home after a trip and be like, I'm so tired. I just went on this trip and I'm going to spend some of the money that I made because I earned it. And like I would buy stupid crap like a lot. And <laughs> I don't actually need it. And like I haven't, I haven't run a credit card in quite a while now. And I'm like pretty proud of myself. And my, I haven't, I don't really think I need to do. So maybe just yeah. die stuff back that's awesome that's a good one yeah i think it's like enjoying realizing what you like that's kind of said like realizing what you have you can do a lot with what you have whether it be like your home or your family um there's just you can enjoy enjoy what you have you don't have to figure, figure out how to enjoy what you have final question what's your most memorable moment of joy during isolation when was that one moment you had you're like oh my god like we're lucky life is good and you you felt joyful probably well gosh there's been a lot i mean i guess it's like been a good time to appreciate everything but maybe um honestly when the coffee orders were rolling in and not because we're like oh yeah cha-ching coffee orders but it was like we're doing this thing to help and like the people that we surround ourselves with and that we're affiliated with like are all really good people and they want to help too and maybe it's just buying coffee and hoping it gets to somebody else. But like, we're lucky to have awesome people around us and supporting us. I think it's like that, that feeling. Yeah. Like Des said, awesomeness of like what happened there with the coffee, but also the ability like to be lucky that we have jobs and that we're able to do what we are every day via our normal jobs or coffee or for Des like running, like we get to do that and, you still get to do that every day, no matter what it is. Um, it's pretty awesome, especially with like the running, like no matter what, someone can't take that away from you type thing. So what Ryan's trying to say is that one time he beat me in a workout. <laughs> I think I saw photos of that. I think when Eric posted some photos, he's like half stepping you and he's like two, two steps ahead of you. And you're like, get out of here, man. What are you doing? You're just doing that for the photos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's hilarious. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to have this conversation. It's kind of kicked off this little project of having a 45 minute chat with amazing people 
every day in May, I may have bitten off more than I can chew and Lauren may not be stoked that I'm doing this every single day in May. Um, but here we are and we're finding consistency. So I appreciate you guys showing up and, and doing this with me, uh, learning more about your story and uh, and checking in on, on your isolation journey as well. So don't forget tomorrow, everyone who's listening, tune in same time, 3.30 p.m. We'll have Brenda Martinez, uh, Team New Balance athlete, amazing motivational um, person so I can't wait to to, to talk to her and uh, and have a conversation with her so thank you so much Des Ryan thanks for everyone for tuning in see you soon thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed the show please make sure you go and leave a five-star rating and review it will help like-minded endurance sports enthusiasts find the show also make sure you tune in daily throughout May as I bring more conversations from amazing humans from the world of endurance sports. I'm Travis McKenzie, and this is the Inner Voice Podcast.